Dave the Terrible never wanted the unholy scepter, but you couldn't refuse your mother's dying wish. He hefted the gilt scepter from his nightstand each morning and used it to gaze upon the past and the present, and sometimes even the future. It had come with a mist-cloaked fortress in the mountains that had a stone fireplace and a cozy library, so things weren't all bad. Lightning Recap In Dave the Terrible by Brent Baldwin, Dave the Terrible struggles to become less terrible. You know what's funny is we've got a little time. You know what's hilarious? We also have a little podcast. Oh, fantastic. This is a short story, short podcast. I am Christopher Garcia by my book. Today here with Christy Baxter by his book. <laughs> and I can't believe we organically brought up my book without even having to shoehorn it in, um, which is amazing. It's available now on Amazon UK and in October in the US. But uh, this reminds me, I like to spend my time reading and experiencing the world of people who are obviously worse off than I am. What short story should I have read of someone who has it worse than I do? You should have read, if you're looking to hear about someone who has it worse than you do, uh, the terrifically named Dave the Terrible by Brent Baldwin. This story, is, it's a, this is one of the shortest lag times between release and us covering it. This is out in the July issue of Flash Fiction Monthly? Online. Online. Fast Fiction Online, um, which I really recommend going through. If you like quicker fiction, this is a way to go. Just look through and just knock out seven or eight stories in a day. Uh, they're... They, they also have a fantastic acronym, which is FFO, which really makes me feel like they are vulgarly telling me to go somewhere else. <laughs> Yes, they and well, they should. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not going to argue with that. Yes, they should. <laughs> I think this story in particular looks at a combination of three things. One, a fantastical world one creates to deal with the world around them. Two, how that world actually intersects with our own world and three the the general concerns of mental health all of them laid into one neat little tidy box that is at times silly and at times serious it is amazing that all of that is able to be packed into this story and i think that's one of the miracles of good flash fiction is that you can pack so, so much into that tiny story, into so little space, and have it be such a punch in the gut. Uh, I'm, I'm one who tries to be open and candid about mental health stuff because I feel that it helps other people 
to be more uh, open about their stuff and, and so on. And it spreads and helps reduce the stigma. So I'm going to admit that I just so happened to have restarted my therapy journey uh, yesterday. <laughs> so uh, reading this today, as I will admit, I did approximately um, uh, 45 minutes ago, <laughs> as per usual, uh, was definitely a little kick in the gut. <laughs> um, but I felt like it was at the right time and, and it, it was, it was good timing for me to, to read it then. And I felt like just that, that little electric shock you get from how did I go on such a long journey in such a short span of time? Mm -hmm. And it starts off with this view of Dave, the terrible, uh, which I don't think that's one you give yourself a, a moniker, <laughs> but and inheriting the scepter of rule, uh, which is a magical scepter, which tells him things. And we get visits from knights and wizards and uh, fair maiden. Um, and the scepter keeps telling him to brush it off. And this is a spoiler. Eventually we come to the fact that it is almost certain, and there's the almost there that I'm leaning very heavily on because it's certain, but it's not certain, um, that this is all just created in his head as a way to deal with his grief over the loss of his mother and his underlying mental health issues. And so the second section of the story, which is like three or four paragraphs, pretty quick, is him coming out of the it's not psychosis, I can't remember what, delusion more or less, mm -hmm. which is likely self-created um, into a more real world in which he is Dave the somewhat functional. <laughs> <laughs> which aren't we all, you know, Christy the somewhat functional, <laughs> depending on the day, somewhat may uh, be doing a lot or a little work there. Uh, but uh, I really, in this particular story, related to the idea of uh, the scepter and the how it speaks to him. I've I've said for a long time, ever since I was in my twenties, and really started to notice it during a, a particularly rough bout of depression. That depression lies. Um, I've said that time and time again. It has sort of a survival instinct of its own and it uses lies as one of its tools to try to survive some of those lies are things like nobody cares about you they have their own shit going on they don't you know have time for you they won't care enough to help you you know they're too busy to help you stuff like that whenever you start thinking about reaching out and trying to get help and the scepter is, is you know, it's, it's going a little differently. It's doing its self-defense survival instinct routine a little differently here than it, you know, did in, say, my head by telling Dave, you know, you're not ready. And then actually talking, you know, through Dave to these people, at least in his head or probably in some way through, him, you know, he's actually talking. So it's a little bit different, but that, that really, like, spoke to me because that's not something... <laughs> You know, I've I've never heard it. I don't. Maybe I just haven't read enough, but I've never heard it really put the way that that I have with depression actually literally lying to you in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the 
one of the interesting things here is the, I guess, it's either the personification or objectification of depression as a physical object. Hmm. And what I actually appreciate about that is it is actually a reflection of something that actually happens in depressive uh, episodes often is fixation upon object. And the, the classic example I know of from personal experience is there was a coffee mug. And if the coffee mug wasn't there, nothing was right. And it, you put everything, it's also, you know, it's also a classic uh, condition of obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, anxiety, all these sort of things. It's even, you know, down to when you're a kid and you have the, the security blanket. It's this idea that this object is what's protecting you from the world. And here it was the scepter. And at the end, of course, it puts the scepter down. And what is interesting here is it was gifted to him or was his uh, dying mother's last wish that he have it, which is interesting if it is not an actual physical object. Because would a dying parent wish, you know, the personification of depression on you? <laughs> well, I feel like we get a hint about what that might be um, towards the end when you know Dave collected a gilt-edged picture frame from the table. Mm. And in the beginning, the, uh, the scepter is gilt scepter for, that he had hefted from the nightstand. And used to gaze upon the past and the present and sometimes even the future. It had come with a mist-cloaked fortress in the mountains. So you have to assume that he inherited his mother's house mm -hmm. um, or cottage or something like that. Um, so I I think honestly, like even though it's I will admit I find it that the 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 scepter to portrait or picture, you know, like frame idea, I don't find quite as smooth as I would like, but I do find that the most likely, I think, one-to-one um, -one comparison. I could buy that. And uh, the, the idea of the, the passage of sort of grief is something, it's something literally you hand down, not ideally, but it's something that, you know, naturally happens. And you know, if you are doing the personification of something that is passed down, using a physical object is easy to do. If you're doing, want to get into this sort of uh, mystical realm aspect. But I love how even within the fantasy world that he has constructed for himself, we get hints of the actual world. Horses often become trucks. <laughs> uh, even when... Oh, uh, what's her name? She cannot remember. Uh, I've almost got it. It's Jess. Jess. Even when Jess visits, she has her phone. <laughs> so it's this, you know, it's never 100% that this is a story of the fantastic. This is a story that is very much rooted in a reality that happens to be reflecting imagery of the fantastical world that maybe they had previously interacted with or just in the zeitgeist. 
Yeah, it seems like there's almost this veneer of the delusion that it that's placed over reality. And as time goes on and he's able to free himself from the, the, the grief-fueled depression that he's in, reality is able to slowly like shed that veneer, um, which is a relief. Uh, it's when you're when you're trapped in that grief, it's it feels like that's the only thing that you can feel sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about other people, but my coping mechanism is just constant distraction. Um, and distraction means playing, like playing video games, reading, watching movies. Sometimes I, I frequently have to do, be doing two things at once. So mm-hmm. I'll be, you know, playing a video game and have a movie on at the same time. <laughs> like that, I cannot be in the shower without also having a podcast on, or I will be curled into a ball on the floor crying. <laughs> my, uh, my coping mechanism is writing. And uh, it's also every other mechanism I have. So <laughs> I'm very jealous. That is a great productive coping me- mechanism. As you can imagine, shockingly, watching movies, not super productive. Playing video games, not super productive. Well, the funny thing is I do it all at the same time. And so mm. when my dad died. I was writing probably 50 pages a day. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was watching movies, listening to music all at once. Um, oh, yeah. And you'll also hit burnout a lot faster if it's like that intense grief writing, you know? Yeah, I guess. I guess burnout happens to people, doesn't it? It does to some people. I guess not to you. <laughs> no, no, I like to burn the candle at both ends and also the whole candle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it does give a lovely light, as Malay said. You know? Edward St. Vincent Millay, bastard. Um, Don't you dare. Don't you dare. If I had a patron saint, it would be Edna St. Vincent Millay. If I had a patron saint, it would 100% be Dino from the Flintstones. I can see it. can totally see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the beautiful things about this story's ending is it's not... It's a melting less than a once you've taken that you have to take the medication, which is the metaphor that happens with the little brown bottle. Um, It doesn't just snap. It is slowly moving out of it. It's moving through the fog. And I think that is an incredibly realistic, (laughs) non-realistic and portrayal of that, that, passage and that's that's where you're right because i mean short short fiction especially where you know where it shines and it gives us all this like punch in one little brief moment it also can't convey the ups and downs and the length of that journey you know Mm -hmm. the moment when you're you're taking that first pill and you're scared you know what are the side effects going to be is this actually going to help me you know is is this going to be enough am i going to need to to take more of this Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the moment when you realize maybe I need to take more, maybe this is not enough. 
uh, or maybe I need to try something else. Maybe this isn't working, you know, et cetera. The whole entire medication journey is just mind numbingly dull and not what good fiction is made of. So really it would be pointless and stupid to include that in here. Um, but it is real life. And uh, so really you can only represent it, you know, in, in a, a sentence or two and that's all that's necessary. But it is, it is true that that is a huge part of the journey is picking up that bottle. And, and, you know, op- opening it up and taking that first pill and saying, okay, you know, today we start down a different road uh, towards being the day of the somewhat functional. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love this story. I think there is like when I first came across it, looking for flash fiction, because for some reason, we don't like to read long things. <laughs> Uh, I think it's because somebody's been really sleepy lately, and I'm not gonna going to uh, say her name. <laughs> and leave I'm certainly, that. yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not going to leave any clues and pronouns. Um, but I will say that she's really pretty, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so funny. But yeah, uh, we, I think we're going to be in a little short fiction phase for a little while, uh, just at least at least a couple weeks. Um, hmm. trying to keep it brief for a bit and then maybe maybe in like the fall we'll dip back into the longer stuff I think you can hear it in my voice I'm I'm, I'm also very allergy riffing today like whatever is in the air right now is the thing that I'm the most allergic to I don't know what it is but I feel like I'm talking like six octaves lower than usual <laughs> you know what's in the air right now and you're allergic to uh love love is in the air Everywhere you look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so got anything else there on this one, Christy? Um, I don't believe I do. Uh, I had I had a sarcastic comment to make at some point, but it slipped out of my head. So everybody should consider themselves lucky. <laughs> but they come here for the snark and they stay for the critical analysis. <laughs> That's certainly what they would say in our reviews. <laughs> Yes. Hey, Christy. Yes. What might we read next week? I can't freaking remember. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You told me and then I looked for it and then you said, that's okay. I have it up. Oh my God. I don't have it in my, okay. What are we reading next week? I'm going to tell you, we're going to read The Man with the Heart in the Highlands by William Stonehouse Saroyan. That sounds fantastic. Yes, because it's going to be on short story. Short podcast. 